0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: We'll tear your soul apart.
0: Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite, Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
2: Guys, welcome back to Syndicate. We're celebrating Halloween, and I have two great guests joining me today to talk about the Hellraiser, the Hellraiser, new and old. The first is a podcaster here in Chicago, Aaron Julian of WSTR. Welcome back to Syndicate.
1: Always a pleasure to be here. That's my pleasure. That's your pleasure? <laughs> That's my pleasure it's to not be your on pain. your podcast.
2: <laughs> okay. One and the same. Okay. One and the same. And the other is a photographer, Peter Casa. Welcome back to Syndicates.
3: Thanks for having me. Yes. It's also a pleasure. Sometimes a pain. Never a pain. I'm joking. Never a pain. <laughs> no. A little bit of both. It's always a pleasure. Thank you.
2: That's good. Okay, so we gather here today because we watched both Hellraiser, the original, and Hellraiser, the remake from Hulu. So, before we really get into these uh, movies, I want to ask both of you, how did you get into Hellraiser? Aaron, I know you're a big fan of Clive Barker, <laughs> or I just put that title on you.
1: Yeah, you messaged me and you're like, so, I heard you're a Clive Barker stand. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? How did this happen?
2: (laughs) You always talk, uh, because we did the, we did Jordan Peele episode and there was Candyman and you're like, oh, Clive Barker's Candyman is so great. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And then we did Silent Hill and I was like, you know, this is reminiscent of a Hellraiser scene. You're like, yeah, you know, Clive Barker's crazy with the body horror.
1: And I was like, he's a Clive Barker stan. I'm actually not. I like those movies, but I don't really like care much for the guy. Okay, Not that I, I don't know. I'm just indifferent. But uh, those movies I do enjoy. Um, and I can't remember how I saw the original Hellraiser. Um, it was years ago, but I was more into movies. as like an active hobby back then where I'm like, I got a list and I'm going to work my way down the list. And that, that ended up on there for one reason or another. And I just really enjoyed it. Then I heard like all the other sequels were garbage. So I like, didn't (laughs) even bother (laughs) to watch those. Oh my God. And I'm like, man, there's like nine movies. Right. No. It's like one that. every other year. Yeah. Hellraiser 10. Yeah. Jeez. And now this reboot. Remake? Yeah. Reconfiguration. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reconfiguration. Yep. That's what Clive Barker called it instead of a remake. He Which, said that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which I'm like, part of me thinks like, okay, that's neat. But then I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete. How did you
2: get into the Hellraiser franchise? How How did you hear about it for the first time?
3: Well, I was never into it. I was never into Hellraiser. It's going going great. Um, Yeah. (laughs) This episode's off to a flying start. Um, Anyways, so I always knew who Pinhead was. Right. Always saw like the Pinhead around Halloween time. Mm -hmm. I think our uncle had a Pinhead mask, like full silicone mask growing up. And I was like, that's creepy looking. What's that from? Never knew what the actual Pinhead character was from growing up until handful of years ago. Um I first saw the first movie because of this podcast episode. Nice. I had no urge to actually watch Hellraiser. Um I'll be honest, I was not a fan of the first one of the original. I think it could have been much, much better. Interesting. Yes. This is gonna be a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was um very campy and cheesy and just Man, we're getting into
2: it. Oh man. Yeah. Dive into right foreplay. in. There, there's, <laughs>
3: there's definitely going to be a a yin and yang to this conversation. I feel yeah. Like. Okay.
2: All right. Wow. Well, I'm going to share that sentiment with you because I never saw Hellraiser until this episode. Because like, I'm putting together the Halloween uh, schedule for this year. And we were supposed to do Saw. We did do Saw. And... I kept on seeing commercials for the new Hellraiser. I knew there was going to be a new Hellraiser. I knew knew about Pinhead. I didn't really know much about him other than the aesthetic, like what you just said, Pete. Um, But I knew that the new Pinhead was going to be a woman. So I was like, okay, interesting. And I kept on seeing commercials for the movie, and I was like, what am I doing? This looks pretty interesting. I want to talk about this movie. So I was like, Peter, I know we're supposed to do Saw. Do you want to do Hellraiser? And you were like, yeah. It's like yeah, and I was like, Aaron, I heard you're a big Clive Barker fan, (laughs) and you're like, I'm not. I'm like, well, do, well, first I was like, you know, you like Hellraiser, right? And you're like, "Uh, I like the first one. Yeah. Are you interested in seeing the remake?
1: And you're like, I guess. And I was like, (laughs) you want to come on? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm given a good excuse to do something, I'll do it. But (laughs) agreed. If if if, yeah, here's the thing about people recommending stuff to me. Yeah. I'll almost never watch it because. I want to be able to like discover it myself. That's oh. a big draw to me. Okay. But if there's like a secondary thing, like that watching that movie enables me to do, then I'll do it. Cuz I, I like hanging out with you and I like being on your podcast. Oh, thank you. And it's like that gives a that's enough of a structure for me to be like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, like
2: I saw these movies back to back. Um saw the f- original Hellraiser, and then I saw the remake. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, they are two very different animals. Yes, They're similar in many Agreed. ways, Agreed. different in many ways, but like it's still, at the end of the day, the Hellraiser story. Yes. So do we want to get into the Hellraiser story now? Let's do it. Let's get into it. Okay. So, Aaron, I'm going to nominate you. Could you pitch me Hellraiser 1987 to someone that has never heard of Hellraiser before? What would you say to that person?
1: Okay. So you have this sleepy seaside town in London or Pittsburgh (laughs) or somewhere and a town, a town. (laughs) And you have this, you have this house where, uh, this couple whose relationships on the rocks, they move into, they take it over from their deadbeat brother, brother brother-in-law. And, uh, you realize that some really weird fucked up stuff has happened in that house. Yes. Um, which has resulted in the brother's death, but through some weird supernatural stuff, his body starts to reconstitute itself from being torn apart. And turns out that the lady in this relationship uh, had an affair with this guy quite a while ago, and she wants it back. She wants that dick. She wants a good hard fun. <laughs> this movie's about the lengths that she goes to get it back. And so you have this room in this house where if blood is spilled on there, this guy's able to like use it to reconstitute his body. So there you have the setup. Whoa. She wants her old flame back. He wants his body back. And so they have to basically kill people in this room to reconstitute his corpse before these supernatural entities called the Cenobites yes. managed to find him and kind of like reclaim him. Wow. And that's the setup. That's the setup for Hellraiser 1987. Yes. Now, Pete, I
2: want you to describe Hellraiser 2022 okay. to someone that has never How seen Hellraiser I... before.
3: How do I best do this? Um, let's see. It takes place in modern day. And we start off with a extravagant party with a fine art collector, billionaire type. And within this party, we see all these different kinds of pleasures happening, whether it's like an orgy, which I think I saw in one of the rooms as this guy was walking through this mansion. Maybe. Maybe something like that. But the movie itself is all around... Um, shit. I really don't know how to describe this, man. Like, I feel like it's similar to the original that you just described, but yep. at the same time, it's its own like mystery to me because you don't fully learn about these xenobites. C- c- is that what we call them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they're called until much later in the film. As right. in the first film, it's presented pretty quickly. Like they don't know how to dis like distinguish pain from pleasure and everything right. else. So that comes into play much later on. And it, it's like this horror, thriller, mystery, really. And it's right. ha- hard for me to really describe this one to yeah. someone that hasn't watched it.
2: Because, like, looking at the two films, like, the first one is very Lovecraftian. It's very mm-hmm. similar to the movie we watched, Aaron from, from Beyond. Beyond. It's almost the same movie. We have some dude that's into. I guess BDSM.
3: Weird stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I would say BDSM for sure. Yeah. Like
2: with the 80s, I don't know what it was their obsession with uh, BDSM, but leather like and chains and so many. Movies. Yeah. Yep. Like I don't, I, I mean, I guess the 80s was all about access and yep. BDSM finds itself right in there in the sexual uh, arena. So with the first film, it's like dude is trying to find pleasure to the nth degree by finding from beyond right he's
3: trying to find the ultimate pleasure
2: yeah ends up finding too much and gets fucked over from a a different realm yes yeah (laughs) yeah gets fucked (laughs) by a different realm and you know the whole supernatural element is presented immediately and then with the new one it's like the supernatural entity is there but like we find out about these characters first they're Mm -hmm. like teenagers or young 20s and we learn about their dynamics and their struggles and their
3: issues. Right.
2: And then the fantastical is
3: dropped. You get in. the whole like teenage angst storyline. Right. That's in every movie, like whether it's Scream or anything else where like teenagers are the main characters. Yeah. And you get their drama first. It yep. has nothing to do with the horror at all. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so you can create some sort of dynamic connection with them. Right. And then you get this supernatural force that comes into play.
2: Yeah. Like, so let's get into the first film because I have a lot to say about that movie. And then we can get into the, the remake, reconfiguration, soft reboot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is my first time watching Hellraiser 1987. And this was not at all what I expected from this film. Hmm. What I expected was what I got in the 2022 version. Okay. Which Pinhead was the main antagonist. And with Hellraiser 1987, he was not. Right. He was definitely an ancillary character. He was almost kind of an anti-hero because there's this line that he says, I believe, near the end of the movie, where he's like, I am a demon to many, an angel to some, something Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, interesting. I always thought of him as like this creature, kind of like Jason or Michael Myers. Yeah. Where he's like killing people. And he's, and like I knew about the line, I will tear your soul apart. Yeah. And this, it's like, he has one aim and it's to get the guy that escaped from his clutches.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's kind of key to understanding the first movie is knowing that this is like right in the middle of the golden age of slasher films. Mm. And you have a bunch of these slasher movie villains. Um, you know, you're Freddy, you're Jason, Michael Myers, and they're more or less just, like, bent on destruction and, like, killing, and they have, like, different flavors to it. Mm. The Cenobites are interesting because they're, especially the the hell priest, as Clive Barker calls him, Pinhead, <laughs> um, is much more, like, intelligent, and uh, it's not so much, like, bent on, like, killing for killing's sake, but the Cenobites in general just more... Like morally gray, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the first one where they're like, you know, they're they're, they're basically just like operating according to rules and laws in place. Um, And to them, it's like it doesn't really make a difference, like pain versus pleasure. They're just like trying to they're explorers of sensation. I think is the line. BDSM. Um Yeah, they're trying to, like...
3: They're explorers of, ex- of ex- uh, experience. That's what it was.
1: Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, they're trying to push the limits of, like, find the limits of physical sensation and, like, transgress those limits. Um, I think Clive Barker described, at least in the first one, like, um, hell is a prison, and the Cenobites are, like, the prison guards, mm-hmm. and Pinhead is, like, the prison warden. And Mm. so because this guy, Frank, um, basically interacted with this puzzle box, which kind of like opened up this realm and like summoned them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he got torn apart, but somehow kept living and is like trying to escape his final fate. Mm. Uh, they're basically just trying to like get the prisoner back into prison. So they're, they're, they're much more like, um, amoral gray rather than in this new one, it feels like they're just kind of like looking to trick people and they're into like <laughs> mm-hmm. pain for pain's sake. Like pleasure isn't even a part of it, which I, I guess we'll get into, but yeah. Um, yeah. The Cenobites are very much uh stand apart as slasher movie villains um, in, in a way that I think really distinguishes them from just another kind of like movie monster. Right. Like,
3: I, I mean, I'll, uh, you know, intercept this. I don't even see them as villains. Mm -hmm. I just see them as people or let's just say beings that are interested in how far a body can be pushed. And that's why, and that's why they look the way that they look, you know, like, so I took it as, um, you open up this portal with this puzzle box because Mm -hmm. you're looking for, what was it? Sensation or something like Experience. experience. And they're like, okay, you were seeking this out. We found you why would we let you leave? It's yeah, we're, like, we're going to give it to you. Because you want this. Because in the first one, Frank, his name's Frank, right? The, main, mm-hmm. the dude that dies in the yep. first two minutes. Um, the, the British New Yorker. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he basically says that he experienced the deepest pleasures that you can experience, but also like the deepest pain. Mm-hmm. And in the first two seconds, you see him like, get torn to shreds. So I'm thinking he's like in this limbo state where he can be torn apart, but also brought back together like infinite times and he's experiencing all these different things. Oh my God. That's how I took it. Mm, And these three beans are like, okay, yeah, you wanted this. We'll, we'll do this to you for infinity. And then he probably had enough of it and escaped. And he's like, fuck this. I'm trying to go back to the real world and boom. Wow.
1: Yeah. And they kind of get into that with, um, something Voight, John Voight. No, that's the second one. Yeah. The the art collector. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Richard Voight, something like that.
2: Yeah, I think it's Richard Voigt.
1: Um Dick Voigt. Yeah, he, and <laughs> yeah. I actually like how they presented it in that movie because uh, he basically gets, like, one wish because of this puzzle box, and uh, he chooses, like, the ultimate sensation, mm-hmm. and he gets this, like, machine implanted in his torso that's, like, linked up to all of his nerves and are, mm-hmm. like, constantly, like, twisting and grinding them. Mm-hmm. So he's just, like, basically tortured, like, incessantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the monkey's paw he got his yeah. wish
2: but not how he intended it
1: yeah because he wanted pleasure right but they don't really even get into that with the with the second movie um it, it's it, it's not even about sex in the second movie not really like it', it that's just true it felt like they took all that out of it Lame. Um, I feel like it was Lame. hinted in the beginning when you see like the party that's going on it's like right. the party the and the orgy, orgy. yeah
3: <laughs> so like you see all these Different channels that you could tap into for any kind of pleasure really. And that's kinda of like hinted, at like, yeah, if you want sex, you can go after sex. If you want, you know, power, you can go after power. Anything like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the sex was out of it, which was the main focus in the first one. It really was. Yeah. And in the first one I was like, Yeah, there's sex driven in this. Like from the main characters and also like the supporting character like the movers are helping this couple move in and they're checking out the wife and i'm just like okay one the wife and the daughter the wife is not hot she was hot for 1987 no not at all this is 80s hot not 80s hot that was not (laughs) 80s hot but then the daughter like it's like the characters in the first movie that are sexually driven are more just like perverts than anything yeah and like the movers, for example, the one guy's like, oh, it's my lucky day when the daughter comes in yeah. and is like looking for her parents or like whatever. And I was like, this is times weird. were different yeah. back then <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that part is not aged well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with the first one, uh, there's a reason they're the Cenobites are dressed up in leather. It's it's about BDSM. Mm-hmm. And you, have, you also have to remember that BDSM was a much more edgy, taboo thing back of then course. than it was now.
3: Still is today, but not to that
1: extent. Extend. You have Fifty right. Shades of Grey, which was the highest
2: best selling book series in a while. Yeah. So, like, it, it tabs into something now, but like back then it was like, ooh, it's taboo. I'll wear leather, black leather trench coats, and big stompers, and mm-hmm. yeah. like, piercings. Now it's like, oh, you're just but a the goth. Thing. But here's
3: the thing. Here's the thing. What's going to sell better? B- uh, BDSM from a billionaire's aspect or BDSM from like a degenerate's aspect? I think that's why Fifty Shades exploded. Oh. Christian Grey. It, was, it was because it was you, have, up. you have you yeah. have the you have the BDSM because it's hard to expect him to To do all that.
2: But you do expect him to do all that because mm -hmm. he's a CEO of a company. Of course he wants control. Of course he wants to be dominant, but
3: go on. Well, a lot of CEOs of companies are actually submissives in real life.
2: Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. Because you know this. Because they have to give. Because I dated a dominatrix. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, my clientele, you would not believe who's in here. I can't tell you who's in here.
1: Mm -hmm. But like people of power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People of power love to give up power in their private lives. Yeah, that's the power mild. exchange mm-hmm. dynamic of BDSM. Yep. And we kind of get that with uh, Frank and the Cenobites where he basically has to submit himself to them in order to experience this like new level of pleasure and pain. Um, and and that's it too, the pleasure and pain aspect where um, with BDSM you have like the application of pain which like heightens sensations of pleasure in the other direction. It's very much like mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin. But in this new Hellraiser... That's not really the point of it. Um, like they tell you that Voight is a hedonist and wild debauchery and everything, but you see it in like a Google search and they don't actually like show any of it. Lame. Right. Um, it, yeah. It just feels like so neutered, neutered from that. And so it, in result, what we see in the movie is that he's basically just like tricked into experiencing pain, much like all the other victims uh, in the movie it's it's just kind of like happenstance it's not like they're pursuing pleasure like that's not even a part of it and the scene about they have some dialogue that says like you know pleasure pain there's no difference but i don't know they don't really show it the way that they do in the original which mean which to me felt like they're kind of missing a core part of bdsm as a theme um but yeah that's that's my take of it
3: yeah i I fully agree with that like you're
1: definitely spot on Um, you you also have to remember for the original, um, you have something called the MPAA and, uh, if there's two things they absolutely hate together, it's sex and violence. Like you can have a sexy movie, you can have a violent movie, but when you try to mix the two, that's when they get really, really squeamish real quick. So, um, the original Hellraiser might in part seem like a bit tame compared to something today that you would get, Mm -hmm. but it's because of that mix of the two where they really had to cut it back in order to not have an X-rated movie. That
3: makes a lot of sense. Or else you'd have like, exactly. You'd have some crazy like NC 17 movie then. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it it got to the point where they were like, you can have Frank thrusting two times, but not three Mm -hmm. because that's, that's just too far. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. And they'd have to like cut out shots of like, um, what's her name? Julia hitting dudes with a hammer like they had to like chop out like some frames of that yeah
2: i mean it's like it's annoying why
1: the the mpa is like these rules (laughs) it sounds like made-up rules to me it's very arbitrary if you want to get into that like check out the the movie this film is not yet rated it's all about like how the mpa a or i guess it's mpa now it's mpa they dropped one of the a's now but um (laughs) how they like make their rating decisions and like what goes into it and how arbitrary it is um, it's really fascinating, but yeah, they, All about the tone, they, right?
2: It's not actual content, or like it's just uh, how they feel.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of where we get the the rule of like a PG thirteen movie. You can have one fuck, but it can't be like I it was a, two. You can it's have one. one, but you can't have it in a sexual context. Mm-hmm. So you could say, "Oh fuck, they're coming," but you can't say, "Oh fuck, I'm coming." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought
3: it was two because there's a movie with John Travolta that came out. I want to say like. And when we were in high school or college, and I think he plays like a cop or something. And they're talking about the movie. Like they, they break the fourth wall okay. and they say that, that they can only say fuck twice for this PG-13 movie. And he's like, that's the first one so far.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> so, so, something like that. I think they can say it twice. That, that might have been a joke. It, and I don't even know if it's a hard and fast rule. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like what directors have figured out with the MPA uh, as far as like what they can get away with. Um, I don't know if they have like a codified set of rules, but it's basically you submit a movie and they're like, uh, yeah, trim this, this, and that, or it's going to be R or trim this, this, and that. And it could be a PG-13. So. So I
2: think what we have to do is infiltrate the MPA (laughs) and change the rules from the inside
3: out.
1: Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, very, very infamously, they're squeamish about sex and violence mixed together. Is it because there's a lot of sexually driven violence in the real world? Maybe, I think it's it's more of a puritanical thing. It has to be. Because um, who's in the MPA? Probably old people.
2: Right? Yeah, it's... So it's an old guard trying to hold on to their values, and it's like, well, we can't have sex and violence. That's crossing the streams. We're going to create
3: serial killers. I'm trying to think yeah. of something that I've seen that has an equal sex and violence, like, to the extreme. Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious. Maybe There's no sex in those movies.
1: Maybe Basic Instinct. Basic instinct. Although that's about, more yeah. that's more yeah. sex than violence, but yeah, that um was that uh was that crazy Dutchman? The
3: crazy Dutchman, crazy Dutchman. Made,
1: made RoboCop. Oh, Verhoeven. Uh, yeah, Peter Verhoeven. Um, yeah, he he had a hell of a time getting that movie made. He had to cut so much. RoboCop. No, well, yes, but also uh, Basic Instinct.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, he did do that.
1: Yeah, um, which they do have a penis in that movie. That's like. There's a dick, yeah, a real dick, a real dick. There's
3: real dicks in uh, *Nymphomaniac*.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's now in the title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. And and there's a there's a penis in the new Hellraiser. Is there? Yeah, right at the when? end. When? Right at the end when he's oh uh, when he's be- oh, when, he- yeah.
2: <laughs> when he's becoming like that, I could, I, that like Christ-like yeah. figure. I will say
3: that's
1: barely a penis. Yeah. It's They're just like, so I could see why he was going
2: for pleasure. He
1: had no dick. Uh, yeah, had a they, little nub. They scooted by that real quick. Um, that, I, I, I want to see the dick and the balls. I don't know if you noticed in the, um, in the original Hellraiser, like when he gets torn apart in the beginning and they have those pillars that are just like spinning and they have like body parts like nailed to them. Yeah, there's some huge cocks in there just like dildos like, i don't know if they're meant well, to be dildos real. or real ones oh, but yeah. yeah just cock and balls just on there really
3: <laughs> see i thought that was like one of the cheesiest parts of the first hellraiser okay there's this like spinning Get pillar into it, of just like body parts on this pillar and it's like spinning like a keurig coffee pod spinner that you have on your <laughs> countertop yeah. in your kitchen yeah and it's just it's spinning and spinning and like the camera zooms in on it and it's just like is that supposed to like like make me not want to watch and be scared. Like, is that supposed to be like gross to me? Like back then, it was. I feel like there's even things back then that was
2: setting the mood. It wasn't even it was going for the vibes
3: it, it wasn't even like a to me. It wasn't even like a vibe. It was just like because there was no. You're like this is fucking lame. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm not try, I'm, I'm not picking up what they're trying to put down, and because typically when you have like a horror movie or something that is supposed to be scary or like a thriller like that like a dark thriller you also have like an auditory aspect to it and that's like that drives that that feeling that emotion but all you hear is just this pillar rotating Mm -hmm. and you just see like the fake blood and the fake body parts on it and you're just like oh i saw that in the you know aurora haunted house back in 2005 (laughs) when i got scared in high school
2: yeah
4: yeah
3: Hmm.
2: aaron i'm gonna be honest with you okay I didn't like the first one either. Yeah, true. Same. I'm sorry. And there's things that I liked about it. There's things I liked more about it than the new one. But there are things that I did not like. And let me get into it. I'll sum it up like this. Hellraiser 1987 is like the Lifetime movie version of, like, the new one. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, true. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is cheesy. You couldn't be down to the bone here. And I'm like, I've heard so many great things about this film. This is Hellraiser. This is Pinhead. Pinhead's barely in it. Mm-hmm. And the drama of, like, the woman, which I think is cool, that she's, like, a serial killer, and she's, like, luring guys into, like, the house. Yeah. So, like, her ex uh, could, like, harvest so the blood. So she's the true villain of his She movie. is the true villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was expecting Pinhead to be the true villain. I was expecting something like Freddie... Uh, kruger and it wasn't which i'm not going to detract the movie from there because it's just my own uh preconceived notions but like the quality of the filmmaking for clive barker's directorial debut i was a little i was left a little bit lackluster
1: yeah i can understand that um to me what i really appreciate that movie is how focused it is um where it's it's not even about the cenobites. it's about this like fucked up love story mm-hmm. between Julia and Frank, and the cenobites are basically just like um they're making the story happen. they're like ancillary to the main story, but that's right. why I think it works so well um and you know it's not a perfect movie. I think it the weakest part of it to me was like the daughter um and how like she gets involved with the story, yeah, she kind of only either. she only mainly gets involved like two thirds of the way through. Yep. And I think it would have been better if this story, if this movie had like a single point of view, Um it kind of bounces around between like Frank and Julia. Yeah. And then like uh, the daughter, Kirsty later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, whose story is this?
3: For me, <laughs> it fell story. apart in like the first five minutes. Oh, because, that's yeah. Rough. yeah, Why? I was like, because you're like, Oh, as soon as the lack of the first transition happened, from when Frank buys this cube, when he goes into his like little seance like candle thing, yeah. So he's he's in like Indonesia or something, and he buys North Africa. He's in North Africa, <laughs> buying it from a Chinese man. From, from a Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I thought it was like Indonesia, like and the Chinese guy is like. What is your pleasure? That was, a, that was like a Mexican voice. Anyways. Um, hey cabron, what's your pleasure? He's like, hey cabron, what do you want your pleasure me? <laughs> Cerveza. I like tacos, <laughs> burritos, burrito. I'll give you a burrito. <laughs> um, but anyways, he basically buys his puzzle box, and as soon as like he makes the, you know, exchange like money for the box, blah blah, it the movie cuts directly to this like seance i'm like hold on who's this guy he didn't like the editing i'm like the editing sucks ass that's actually what i liked about it <laughs> they don't waste your fucking time but i'm like i'm like who is this guy what's this guy selling this box for talking about pleasure why are we in you'll find out a like dark room all questions a, will be like answered. really shitty attic. i mean the house itself was a pretty nice house and he chooses like this like shitty attic That is just, like, gross. You know why? To do a seance.
2: Because he's keeping it in the closet. Keeping it out of view. (laughs) You're not going to do this in the living room. You're not going to have your secrets exposed to the world. You're going to do it in the deepest, darkest corners. When
3: when Frank's brother and wife go into the home, what's in the living room? All of his weird shit that he likes.
2: Oh, that debunks my thing. Yeah. So this
3: guy could have done this shit anywhere else in the house. Chooses this, like, unfinished un it's just a bare bones room it
2: is a representation of his brain because he's an <laughs> unhinged man and he does it in a decrepit room because on the inside that's who he is yeah, yeah
1: you gotta you gotta hand wave it a little bit just because mm-hmm. like the movie has to happen and it's like yep if it happens in that room then you can get away with like murdering people up there For and sure. it's like eh, it's fine yeah
3: <laughs> but then you get into like the whole love story between frank and the wife well, the, the cheating wife. She's not and cheating. Well, I guess she is, but anyways. like we didn't get into that. Frank is the
2: brother right. of her new husband. Right. Yeah. Right. Frank died and, and she they, married right. his brother. And they mm-hmm. have an
3: affair the day before their wedding. And like you of, of, know why?
2: Because it's very obvious. I'm sorry. Frank is like he's like a bad boy. He's a bad yeah. boy and, and he knows how to fuck. And no, yes. but he's
3: like but he's like and the new guy fucking well, is scared of blood. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. Frank shows up in the rain. And he's like drenched and his brother's not home, but his fiance's there. Somehow the fiance's never met the brother, never had an, an idea the brother exists. And he's like, I'm Frank, so-and-so's brother. And she And then he's like was like, damn. And then <laughs> and he's like, Can I come in? I'm here for the wedding. And then he's just that fucking hot. <laughs> and then like they have like a, a drink or something, and he's like, so He's like, Am I gonna kiss the bride? Or something. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like an eighties porno. Like this is fucking cheesy, man. You didn't see the way that she was looking at him. Oh god. That she looked more like a clown than anything to me. She wanted some real dick. <laughs> from, a real, the guy was like, from a real man. The guy was like, I just came back from Turkey. Not the country, I just ate a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Frank. She's like,
2: damn. Uh, I've been missing out my whole life. My name's Frank and, I have a tank. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, he does. Um, no, I. And that's what's interesting to me is like the, the, the husband of Julia is like, he's not like a bad man. He's just kind of he's kind of a dope. He's incompetent. Yeah. But, you know, he's not like a lesser movie would have been like, you know, he's a abuser or just like an obvious asshole. Yeah. But no, he's just kind of a guy.
3: He's just your a typical guy. average Joe.
1: Yeah, and but it, she doesn't want that. In right. comparison to that, her his mm-hmm. brother far more attractive, and that's what she really wants. And she wants a hot dude. They what? don't even look like brothers at all. Like hey. there's nothing. Hey. Who cares? It's,
3: it's cinema. Years. It's cinema. <laughs> 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 one of them's hot, and one of them's not. <laughs> one of them's rich, and one's poor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. No. What What really got me is that I I thought the acting in the original was like far far superior. To what we got? Wait, really? In the main one? Oh yeah. I thought it was. Oh, I don't. Garbage. I thought it was absolute. Just no. I thought, I thought Julia was great. The way like, when she has to like lure people in to like murder them Mm -hmm. in order to restore Frank. Like I thought she acted much the same way like anybody would act who like didn't want to murder people but was forced to.
3: Yeah, I get that. At the same time, there's better seductive characteristics I've seen in other characters, like in The Graduate. Like that's a better seductress than what this character was. And that's Razor. not
2: the, the point is it's not that she's like a smoke show. She's just a woman, but somehow every man in the movie thinks she's a smoke. I'm oh, sorry. I just don't find <laughs> it. I don't at think all. they do. I think it's just like they're at a bar and this girl is like giving them attention. It's like, well, oh, yeah, true. Might as well. And and these men aren't attractive. And None as of the men are attractive.
3: <laughs> no, it's the eighties, right?
1: And as we learn at the except end, except for
3: Frank Frank's attractive. Frank's. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: But as we learn at the end, Frank... um, Actually, the daughter's kind (laughs) of hot. For the 80s. Um, Well, as we Uh, learn at the end, Frank is not... Doesn't really want to be with her again. He's basically, like, using her to... He's using her how she's using the guys
3: to get him back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just a vicious cycle of people using each other. Yeah. Yeah,
2: because at the end, so, like, she's luring all these people, so he drains their blood, reconstructs his body, Mm -hmm. and then at the end...
0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: He kills her. Yeah, yeah. Bing bong. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a switcheroo where um, Frank basically wants his brother to be the last victim, so that he, he has like everything restored except like his face. So he wants his brother to be the last victim. Um, and then, like, his transformation will be complete. Well, I think
3: he was just, like, he was very desperate for one more human. Yeah. And the wife was like, oh, I'll kill your brother, blah, blah, blah. And, like... But she doesn't want to. She just doesn't want to. She feels bad. Yeah. Because she loves him. Yeah. yeah but she's she, also like, I need Frank back.
1: Yeah, she's like, <laughs> well... That's <not> that dick. <laughs> yeah, she, she's like, we'll figure it out. We won't kill him. We'll get somebody else. And he's like, you better hurry up. Because, yeah. like, I don't know when these Cenobites are going to be back. Right. Meanwhile, the daughter has discovered the puzzle box, which has summoned them in the first place. And she's like fucking around with it and, uh, basically falls into the trap of the Cenobites. And they're like, okay, if you didn't summon us like on purpose and like, we have to claim somebody. So it's either going to be you or somebody else. And so she has gotten like some premonitions, some visions that like her father is going to be one of the victims. So she runs back and She's trying to care for her dad, and she's already too late. Dad's dead. and But Frank has, like, tried to... He, he basically reconstructed himself to look like the brother. I just figured he, like, took his skin off and put it on his body. That might have happened, but... That it, is what happened. There's too much... Because,
2: like, there's, like, a seam next to his ear.
1: Oh, I thought he, like, grew it back, and, like, it wasn't... Like, it was kind of a sloppy job. Oh. But that probably makes more sense. Yeah. T-B-H. Um, so, then... So, yeah, there's a bit of a switcheroo, and it's kind of where the story fell apart for me. There's, like, a bit of a switcheroo so that they could trick the daughter into thinking, like, everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And I think Julia and Frank meant to, like, use that, basically get her out of there and then make their escape. But it doesn't go well, so they have to, like, trap her or kill her. And then that's when Frank turns on Julia, and then the Cenobites end up uh, catching Frank and getting the revenge. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and and that's when we get like the the worst effects of all time, at the end, <laughs> where they just have like uh, I, I the, the, little, it. The, the little yellow like lightning lines just like like yeah. going all over them. Yeah. Um, although <laughs> it's eighties, the they they had run out of money, and the studio was Are like, serious? yeah, they'd run out of money, and the studio was like, uh, uh-uh, no more money. So Clive Barker and like one of the editors like basically did all those effects in a weekend, and they were very very drunk. <laughs> oh my god so it's like eh. the effects up to that point were fantastic I thought especially when Frank is like first reformed into a well, first of all the going just from blood to like the skeleton and he's like dragging himself around on his hands yeah um, excellent work mm-hmm. and when Frank is like a zombie state and he's talking to Julia um, and he's like all darkly lit and stuff like I thought that was fantastic right but then it's, like, the worst effects of all time when they're, when Kirsty's trying to, like, fight against the Cenobites and they get, like, blasted away by energy and it's just, like, little, like, lightsaber lines just, like, around their silhouettes and then they <laughs> just go poof, poof. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah kind of fails in that regard, but um, I, I said earlier, I really like the focus of the first one because it's just, like, it's 90 minutes, they waste no time in trying to, like, like bog you down with details and lore and backstory. They don't, they very rarely just straight up tell you what's going on. It's much more show. Don't tell. Mm -hmm. And they kind of trust you to put the pieces together. Right. This new movie, it felt like they had to like beat you over the head with everything and just explain everything in, in detail. And I'm going to be honest with you. Yep. I like that. You like that? Because like in the first
2: movie, um, you know me, I'm all about show, don't tell. Yep. And with, this, but at the end of the movie, I was like, I don't really know anything about Pinhead or the Cenobites. I don't really, I want to know. I was left wanting more. I was like, I want to know. That's more. the point, Armand. That's how I was too. <laughs> but like, I was like, this movie's called Hellraiser, Like the dude's on the cover. Like, I was like yeah. expecting a movie all about him and it wasn't. He was just like in the background. And like, yeah, I was just left wanting more so like in the new movie where they do they take their time doing these expositions it's like oh you're fleshing out the world that I wanted to know about
1: yeah that's that's fair but the new movie gets the benefit of having like nine movies worth of lore to pull from right so it can kind of like put that all together for you There's that. Um, and I think part of it is just a problem of expectations and revisiting old movies that have like a franchise worth of stuff on top of it mm-hmm. where i think hellraiser the original is almost a victim of its own success where it's like oh. it's it's a story about a fucked up love story but who are you going to put on the poster when you have like the most iconic design ever <laughs>
3: <laughs> true yeah true
1: so i think you know if that the movie is the only one that that you have then i don't i don't think you're going to be disappointed but that it wasn't more about the cenobites but when you have uh, all of these movies worth of lore that have been built up and you have such an iconic design that's become like the centerpiece of it, I can understand why you might be let down by watching the first one.
3: Okay, so you're talking about all this lore. What's the other lore that comes out of like the other movies? Because I have no idea what that is.
1: Uh, You get a lot of it in the new one, but um, the idea is that the Cenobites are like this religious order of, I guess, supernatural beings. Um, like they said, demons to some angels to others, um, and, uh, don't laugh that they're part of the order of the gash. Mm -hmm. And, um, they're, they're, they're very much focused on, um, pain and pleasure being like two sides of the same coin and looking to push the boundaries of what people can experience. And these Cenobites are actually like former humans who have basically gone beyond the limits. And, uh, at the center of it all is this like puzzle box, which, uh, as they explain in the new movie has like seven different configurations, I think seven. Um, Mm. yep. Makes sense. And, and they uh, all have different meanings with each configuration. Seven
2: is a divine number, Aaron. Yes. The number of completion. Yeah. So seven days to
1: (laughs) create the universe. Exactly. So all those configurations, um, are not in the first one. It's just like, uh, you move some shapes around and boom, it's, it's Mm -hmm. solved which is a pet peeve of mine like they don't show, show anyone actually like solving it it's more like like they're not trying to like figure out patterns and like vida. yeah and see like how they line up they just kind of like fuck with it until it changes right
3: and with each different like change in the first one i felt like every change resulted in a different cenobite like yeah. each cenobite had its own configuration to the actual
1: brick or box right uh, not exactly it's more just like when you solve the puzzle it establishes that connection between this world and theirs Mm -hmm. um with this new movie uh you need like a human sacrifice for each level of configuration until you get to the final one and then once you complete it then you basically get your wish which you can choose from a menu based on the different configurations and they all mean something Mm -hmm. all that lore was like added on with as far as i understand all these other movies that show up Um, so this new movie kind of benefits from that. My problem is, is that they just like dump all this exposition on you when first she does like a Google search on this Voight guy, but then like stumbles upon his, he basically like kept a diary of all his, uh, experiments with it. And he just like very clearly writes out in text like audience with God. It's like, okay, we get it. Yep. It was just enough for him to like, at the beginning, sacrifice this dude, then look up to the heavens and say, like, you know, um, he's like calling upon the Leviathan. It's like, right, cool, right. we got it. We don't need it like spelled out.
3: And that's what I kind of connected later on. It's like when you figure out his diary, like later on in the movie, when the guy was like, "Oh, do I get a prize now for figuring this out?" He's like, "No, but I do." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, what's this guy trying to do with this?" And yeah, we figure out like, "Oh, he wants to be this like god figure or something. That's his wish or whatever it was." But one thing that I noticed that was really cool in the beginning was the the ceiling of that room that they're in, it looks just like the starting position of the original cube mm-hmm. from the first movie. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool symbolism right there. It's, yeah. like, it's like he's in his own cube, which I started to like look at his house later on in the movie. I was like, this looks like a cube that he built around his house. Yeah. But it was just a cage really to trap all those entities. Yep,
1: Yeah. And that's that's also what I appreciate about this new movie is like when the puzzle box is used to open up this new dimension and allow these Cenobites in, um, they kind of like restructure and reshape the environment, which I thought was really neat. It reminded me of the Dr. Strange movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's a great, that's a great thing to have. Um, if the puzzle box is a theme and obviously not something you can really easily do in 1987. My problem was this movie was much more, like about the Cenobites and about the box itself, that I didn't care about any of the characters. True, true. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty bland. They're they're and like forgettable. They're like teenage slasher movie characters. Yeah, and they're basically just like set up to be killed. But yes. this movie didn't like. It didn't feel like a slasher movie per right. se.
3: You want to know what I feel like it felt like? Because I didn't like any. I liked one character say what I, liked, I think you're going to say. I liked, It feels like something to oh me, but God. please tell me. <laughs> right, we on liked, the same page. I liked one character. It was the main character's brother. I felt like he was the only oh, sane person yeah. in the entire movie. And to me... The one that was killed? The one that was killed first. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, the movie felt like a mix between your typical horror movie and euphoria.
0: Yeah. And the main mm-hmm. character
3: to me... Felt a lot like Rue in Euphoria. I fucking hate that character so much.
4: (laughs) She's great. No,
3: Rue sucks. And Rue is... I wanted... Come on. Here's the thing. After I saw the first two episodes of Euphoria, I'm like, I hope that this girl ODs in the next episode. (laughs) Bro. Holy shit. Like, piece of shit human. What? (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I see... She's complicated, okay? No. She's... (laughs) Anyways. The main character in Hellraiser, I see as Rue... 2.0 2.0 in a oh. horror movie and I'm just like I yeah ruin a hate horror movie. this character I, so much
1: I kind of get it um and that's where this movie feels muddy to me it's like it, it kind of solves the problem of the first one like whose story is this it's like you know it's gonna be Riley like it's told from her point of view like fine but it lacks that kind of central theme to everything where they set her up as this addict um rue right but then they don't really do anything with it it's more just like for one scene. Yeah. And I thought like, Oh, is she going to, is this puzzle box going to be the like new addiction, new like object of her desire? Mm -hmm. Cause you could do a lot with that Yeah, where, you know, she's just kind of curious with it and plays with it. And Oh, it's, you know, horrible, but it's as attractive as it is repelling Mm -hmm. much like BDSM. and, uh, she like keeps having to give into it more and more. They didn't go that direction. It's more like she, she was just tricked. And that's right. Kind of where, you know, I had no sympathy for any of the characters because like they keep having to make stupid decisions to keep being tricked. I and- feel like she wasn't really tricked. I felt like she was just
3: stupid. Well, she didn't know what it was. Yeah, well, true. It's
2: just like you have this fantastical device that's just dropped into like for example, the cast of Euphoria and then they find mm-hmm. the pinhead box. And it's kind of like that's the whole <laughs> premise. Like, that's exactly what's going to happen yeah. when Sydney Sweeney Gets the puzzle box and she does the little configuration. She gets her tits chopped off. <laughs> yeah, but it's you just like the, you know what the new one felt to me. I was watching. I'm like, I've seen a movie like this before. Thirteen ghosts. Mm. Thirteen ghosts. You, I know Pete. Mm. You remember thirteen? That's ghosts. an oldie. Do you know Thirteen Ghosts? There? I've not seen that. It's like the same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's basically, you got, got the mansion that yep. has 13 ghosts. Oh my it's the same God. House. Trapped in there. Yeah. I'm like, oh
1: my God. And
2: each one's different. <laughs> oh my God. Just like with the Cenobites, are all different. And I'm like, mm, spooky. kind of like this a cabin like,
1: in the woods kind of thing,
2: but like less fun. Um, It's definitely not cabin because cabin in the woods is like manufactured. Well,
3: you know, I think 13, you're onto something. Because 13 ghosts? I feel like, like, horror genre fans, whether you're into it or not so into it for casual the horror genre, everyone forgets about Thirteen Ghosts. It's a mm. great movie. It's a, yeah. It's an oldie. Definitely a slap. For time. us, for us it's an oldie. But um I yeah, I can I now I definitely see the formula being copied. Yeah, you're too young for Thirteen
2: Ghosts, Aaron, um, Because I was in like sixth my mom? grade. So you <laughs> would have been like so this is what? Early two thousands? Early two mm-hmm. okay. so thousands. It was like two thousand Two, three. It was that fun yeah. time
3: when horror was, like, coming out of the slasher uh, movies. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. still had Scream in, like, the 90s and stuff, but horror was trying to, like, re-identify what it was. Yeah. And he had Saw, he had Paranormal Activity, like... A lot of body horror.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, to me, this felt like it was doing the same thing that the Evil Dead reboot did. I didn't even bother watching that. I was like, yeah. I feel like it's a sin to watch this movie. Yeah. Because they're it. they're trying to don't wh- watch. Well, what they're trying to do is take these old IPs and like update them for a modern audience. And in the case of Evil Dead, it's like it's kind of fine on its own,
4: mm-hmm.
1: but it very much just misses the point of the first movie and that kind of singular creative vision that you get with someone like Sam Raimi, who has just like a very distinct style to it. And they're like repackaging that to something else for a different audience. A general which, audience. Yeah, which I think is fine. Like if, if you're a gen, if you're a hip Gen Zer listening to this podcast um, and this movie would be a decent introduction to Hellraiser, I think. Um, yeah. Where you might otherwise not give a shit. Uh, I just think it misses the 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 clarity and the tone and focus of the first one that makes sense?
3: Yeah, I'm definitely, I feel like I should have watched the new one first and then watched the first one. But I think mm. if you
2: saw the new one first and you go back to the original, you will be like, yeah, you would have the context of everything, I see, but you'd be yeah, like, I'd rather too. watch something else. Yeah,
3: I, I, I get that. Oh, no, I just I just did not like the first one mm. <laughs> at all. I'm biased. That's fair. I was disappointed. But like yes, I, I was did, I was more disappointed than anything. I did
2: fully enjoy. There's there was one moment where I was like, this movie is gold, and then it went away quickly. <laughs> Wait, the first one? The or first new one? one. The first one. And mm-hmm. What what part? I'll tell you the part. So like it's when she is reunited with her old flame and he's like let me touch you. And he's like, like skin and bones and like flesh. Yeah. And it's rotten.
1: And it's like disgusting. He looks like an anatomy figure. Yeah. Like yeah. the oh, muscle yeah. man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I will
3: say those special effects I was cool with in the first one. But even beyond yeah, that, here's the golden
2: moment mm-hmm. when he was like, I need more blood. So then she goes, picks up a dude, mm-hmm. brings him back. And it was at that moment I was like, oh, she has to kill people. Mm-hmm. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. The pacing was off, the editing. Everything was fell off. apart. I was like, oh, just for that golden moment, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to be a serial killer. She's yep. luring people. She yep. is the villain. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, I was like, oh, my God, this movie is incredible. It's a great premise. My, my hopes are dashed. Mm. It's a great premise. I just wonder if they remade that today, it would work. I'm telling you, it would oh, work.
1: Yeah, because yeah, it's a very fucked up situation. Um, which I think people can, I don't know, it was relatable. I was i was thinking to myself, like, if I was this lady and I really wanted to, like, resurrect this person that I'm smitten with, like, yeah. would I go that far to kill people? And if I had to do that, like, what would that be like? It's like, that's good. Um, I was really surprised that uh, David S. Goyer wrote the new one. What did he do, Aaron? All the, all the Nolan Batman films. Really? Yeah, he wrote the screenplay for all of them.
2: Wow, I did not know that he must have needed a paycheck.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this this very much felt like Hulu was like, "What properties do we have? What do we got?
0: Yeah. The Hellraiser
1: movie? Okay, who can we get for that? David Esquire, you want a million dollars? Here you go. And then we'll squirt it out on Hulu. And
3: I will say, I did like the style of the Hulu. Oh, version. cinematography
1: was on yes, point. It I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was fantastic. I yeah. couldn't see anything. It was so dark. <laughs> it, was, it was dark. It was dark. And I
2: had my brightness all the way <laughs> I up. I made the yeah. mistake. In dark room. And I was like, what the fuck is I, going yeah.
3: on? <laughs> I made the mistake of watching it during the day. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, like, I
2: can't see anything, even with the yeah, blinds shut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I
3: can't see shit. Yeah. It's so oh,
2: dark and murky. I yeah. hate
3: that. It's such a beautiful that's day. How, I can't see my TV. And that's how The Handmaid's Tale is as well. Low, Handmaid's Tale
1: is super dark. The new one? Low light cameras were a mistake.
3: Yeah, it's just like the I don't know why they purposely edited these things like super like muted and dark and I'm just like come on I just want so to it see works it. So
1: for you can like, make out in the movie theater. Yeah, true that.
2: <laughs> but this wasn't released in the movie theater. Oh, okay. Shut up. All right. <laughs> make out at home. Let me have this.
3: Let me make out on my couch. Yeah.
2: Okay. So like but even like the correctly lit scenes mm-hmm. were beautiful to see. Like the oh, cinematography totally. was fantastic. And why I say the first one was like a lifetime movie was like there's this I know it's the eighties there's this haze yeah movie <laughs> everything's flat nothing just like it's that eighties that's in the attic so, yes. yeah yeah that totally was like a chaotic. horror
1: movie there's a, like one shot of Frank where he's still like mostly like rotted away yeah um and it's just like it's like completely dark and you just have like rim lighting on on his face and it's like oh that's gorgeous yes. And but then you have like, and then you have them like trying to move the mattress up the stairs, and it's like this looks so dull. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. like the scene where she's in like a mall and, and picking that's, up people, yeah. and, it's <laughs> like... and, that, and that's
3: why I get the whole like eighties porno like. That's fair film style, but, or was you, or were you or, ready or, to see some bush, or is that just the eighties?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm willing to bet that it's just low budget. Low budget. It's, it's low budget. It's his directorial directorial debut, so mm-hmm. like I'm willing to. I'm willing to go easy on. Probably it. did some yeah. TV. It felt like a TV
2: movie.
3: Yeah, it did. It did feel like Lifetime. You, you you hit that on the head. It's like it's like a Lifetime movie, Lifetime horror movie. If there was a Lifetime horror channel,
1: yes, that would. It's watch called that. Lifetime. It's
3: called Lifetime because everything's basically a thriller.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> see, now I just want to watch the sequels to the Hellraiser because I'm like, I really did I mean, this. Does but it with get a better? better? Budget? Does it get better
3: with uh, time?
1: I, I've heard, it, or was it just like a? Slow I've only. Train I can only. Wreck? I can only say like what I've heard, but I've heard like. None of the sequels are as good as the first, and they're just kind of, like, all over the place as far as, like, quality and tone and all that. Um, But I'm curious to see, like, what they would do with a bigger budget um, and still, like, back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I might be pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Maybe. And do you think Pinhead becomes the villain? (laughs) Uh, From what I've heard, yeah, the motivations of the Cenobites are kind of all over the place. Like, in the original, they're very much, like, amoral, just, like... They're like acting according to laws, yeah. Um, and at some point, they basically turn evil, mm-hmm. and they're just like looking to kill people for the sake of pain, I guess, and pleasure. And yeah, and that's kind of what I got with yeah. this modern one is like they're basically just trying to like get people. And I felt and like they're hurt them and kill
3: thirsty them. for like a blood sacrifice. That's what it really felt like. Yeah, like, they're like that's what I was waiting for yeah.
2: the whole <laughs> time. Like yeah. in the first movie where. Pinhead comes in and it's Cenobites. I was like, the Hellraiser's here. Yeah. <laughs>
3: finally. And then the he speaks. part of the whole movie. Yeah. And then he speaks, and then you're like, wait, I didn't expect that to sound like that. Yeah. He's really? Like, he's like, I am the leader, and no one can escape me. I'm like, what the f- <laughs> What? I will tear your soul apart. Yeah. yeah. You didn't expect- You didn't expect I just, that. I don't know. I
1: kind of want him to- Do you just, not have a fear of menacing British men? <laughs> I think that's why I just didn't like it. It's a mm. British horror movie. So- yeah, there's that layer on top, too, where um, I'm glad you brought that up because it's filmed in London. Um, you can even see, like, uh, what's it called? Battersea Power Station, like, off in the distance during one of the opening shots. And then the studio's like, can we make it more American? Yeah. And so they, like, dubbed over a lot of the actors. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah, Frank has two credits. The
3: only American thing oh. that I really picked up on was the husband who was like, well, how about we just move back to New York, you know, blah blah and like
1: hold on. Yeah, I think like, that was ADR'. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could be wrong, but he kinda had like a like a mid Atlantic accent. Mm-hmm. Kirsty, they've even bothered. They're just she's she's American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Julia's British. Then like everybody else, yeah, they they dubbed over Frank, so he's like from New York, I guess. Come on, honey, let's go back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit strange and uneven. I'm I'm not claiming this is like a perfect movie or anything, but I felt it was much stronger than the reboot. They but... took forever getting that mattress up those stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah it
2: kind was of three men. Like,
3: Hold oh, up. So, one, one thing that I noticed in the house layout, yeah, not related to this movie at all, the house layout is eerily similar to
2: American Horror Story. No. Oh, shit. <laughs> no. The Grudge. Oh. Okay.
3: I haven't seen The Grudge in, like, 15 years. Yes. So the entire, like, staircase scene where, like, the ghost boy is Mm, basically talking to her at the bottom of the stairs. Through the rafters. Through the the rails. Yeah. Yeah. The banister. Um, Toshiba. Nagasaki. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What scary movie was that? Four? Four? It wasn't three. It was four. That was was one of the best, like, parodies. (laughs) I loved that one. Mitsubishi. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just throwing out different... Yeah. Well, here's how low-budget it was. They filmed in an actual house. Like, the attic was a set, mm-hmm. but they just had to, like, film on location. And so yeah. they're like,
3: eh, weird stairs, whatever. Right. They're moving a mattress It looked just like the house from The Grudge. Like, the, the foyer staircase, every, like, to a T. And I was like, no oh, shit, maybe it's the same set. Or, there you go, same house. Okay. But, um... The one thing that kind of threw me off with the new one versus the old one, I took the old one as the only reason why Frank was able to come back originally was because he shared the same blood as as his brother. And his brother tore his hand open, which spilled the blood, blah, blah. Bloods. I'm going to faint. And it's like, oh, because he shares the same blood, he's able to come back. So I was thinking mm-hmm. that Rue 2.0 in this new one yeah. had to spill her blood for her brother to come back. Oh. Yeah. See, that I really, would have been interesting. But then they just started but fucking killing everyone. So. I really
2: loved that inverse that the new one did. It's like, there's through lines from the original film, but like a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that. It wasn't like an ex-lover. It was like her brother. So it's like, yeah. there's more legit uh, inclination and motivation to get your brother
3: back that mm-hmm. died. Instead of like,
2: this is my ex-boyfriend. Fuck my husband. But I I want my old man back.
3: The the two things that tied together that I appreciated in the new one was when her brother kicks her out of his house and her brother's boyfriend's outside smoking and he's like, don't leave, you're going to regret it, blah, blah. At the very end, his boyfriend and her are the only one that survive the entire movie anyways and she chooses the initial starting phase of the block and Pinhead is like, you're going to live a life of regret, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's nice. That they actually tied this in yeah, together. That's that nice. I connected the dots on that. And I mean, it was small, but. The movie
2: stuck the landing, in my opinion. That was like my favorite part was the end. I was like, same. It was I was like where are they going? And mm-hmm. then that whole scene happened. I was like, hell it's yeah. A, it's a yeah. different kind of
3: pain. I yes. thought it was kind of cool that she called them out on their shit. She's like, I've seen your gifts and I don't want them. Yeah. I'm like okay, yeah, I wish I could say that during Christmas. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I've seen what you can give, and yeah. I don't
1: want it. I just didn't buy that she actually cared about her brother. Like, it, like they didn't even, it didn't even seem like they liked each other Do at all. Do you think if they
2: sacrificed some of the exposition for
1: more character developments, you yes. would have cared more? Yeah, because they kind of set these people up like they're slasher movie victims, where yeah. it's like, they're all one-dimensional, they all have their thing that like sets them apart. I'm the nerd. And then that's it. I'm the sports guy. Yeah. I'm the druggie. (laughs) Oh no. Did you hear us fucking? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's kind of all that they go from there. So it's like, that's fine if you're doing a movie that's a slasher and it's just focused on the kills and you don't need all that character development, but we didn't even get much of that per se. It wasn't about that. It became about this box and the mystery behind it. And then it's like, okay, how does that tie in with, uh, with, I almost said Rue, Riley and her addiction? <laughs> and that's where it got muddled for me. It's about like three or four different things. And the kind of one dimensional characters would have worked if it, if this was just like a splatter movie and it's just like, right. yeah, have it be about the Cenobites just fucking people up. That would be fine. Or. You sacrifice some of that give some more character development and it's really about like the characters in their story and the horror elements are just like a part of that then i think that would have worked a lot better for me when it's trying to do like three or four things at a time that's where it gets like muddy and kind of i lose interest
3: yeah the one sense. the one thing that i thought was really cool was that the centibytes themselves can be used in a stage of the cube yeah and that was cool. They take one of the classic Cenobites with like the teeth, like Cheddar.
1: Yeah. The cheddarer. You know, it's creepy. <laughs> and
3: that dude just gets ripped apart. And he's like, I'm gonna get ripped apart. Okay. I accept it. And yeah. boom. And oh shit. I no one saw that coming. I didn't like, see that coming. That's pretty sweet. I was like,
1: it could work like that's that. pretty neat.
3: Yeah. That was pretty neat. Yeah. That's something new.
1: Yeah. And, and that's that's ultimately what I got out of this movie. It's like, it it, it felt like they, a fresh coat of paint, but they didn't really change anything they didn't really bring anything new. They didn't sand down
3: the wall before they painted. Yeah, they just went right over it.
1: It's like it's great that they have like a gay relationship in there that's not like made a big deal of or like played for yucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they have a, a trans actor in there. Cool little factoid though. Yeah, the uh, uh, pinhead. She's trans, She's trans? Mm-hmm. really
3: to know that. Yeah, but the brother one, fooled you. One cool factoid of the brother. So Brandon Flynn who got his huge break on 13 Reasons Why. Okay. He's one of 13 the... 13 Ghosts Why? <laughs> oh, 13 <laughs> Ghosts Why. So he played a a jock in that TV series, if you guys have ever watched that series. hmm And after that series, he said that he will no longer... So he's gay, openly, and he said that he will no longer accept a role of playing a straight male. hmm And I hold on. I think it was him that said that I want to say it was because I heard that from one of the actors in one of those Netflix shows. Okay. And I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. You stand your ground and you know, be true to yourself and play that on the screen. So I think that's why it was just put in there just like so seamlessly. i was Mm. like, hell yeah, Brandon. I love Brandon Flynn too. Huge fan of his. I respect that. Like that's the way to go. But also
2: isn't that the point of acting? To be someone else, to be a ball of clay. Yeah.
3: It's like
1: he can, to some,
3: to some. If he can portray a straight
2: man.
1: But
3: also, how many actors are the same in every single movie?
1: And I guess the argument would go like if you have the choice between. If you have a character who's like an underrepresented demographic. Yeah. And you have the choice between casting someone who is that underrepresented demographic and someone who. Uh, is not but can like chameleon into that mm-hmm. then might be more worthwhile to get someone who actually does represent that demographic that and then sense. you have
3: someone who's like super ambiguous like vin diesel Yeah, you know <laughs> is he white
1: is he black the rock too the rock too yeah so, or um cassie Andor. well he's he's latino mm-hmm. yeah but he's he's also ethnically ambiguous yes I guess you don't really. Uh, he's Mexican, right? He's he's been cast in many different nationalities.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was in Narcos, which I thought he played a fantastic. I forget who he
1: played in that, but
3: kind of the same as, with uh, Pedro Pascal. You know, oh my, I was thinking Pedro Pascal because he's Mexican. I think we're trending into <laughs> just ambiguity going forward. Yeah, we're all going to be up. a
1: light tan, <laughs> light tan. Yeah, nice golden brown. Yes, I just need to interbreed until we're all coffee colored. Yes. Maybe, um, maybe not
3: you. You're probably just yeah. still right. My, <laughs> my
1: beautiful Polish skin. Armand um, and I will have that nice tan. Yeah, yeah. You and I have built-in tan. Built-in tan. <laughs> burn. Um, speaking of which, the Cenobites looked like way more androgynous in the new one. I mm-hmm. appreciate than mm-hmm. even the old one. I'm like, I thought that was really cool. Because the cool. old one, I was like, yeah. I get it, man. BDSM in the 1980s, <laughs> right, right,
2: everywhere. But like yeah. with this, they looked very otherworldly, yeah. almost alien. And I
1: really appreciated that. They're like clothing, like, is their skin just like cut and tucked away in different ways? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like the one Cenobite
3: really. that actually made me laugh was in the first one, the original. The dude looked like a real life Patrick Star.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like he looked just the like the uh, yeah. Butterball.
3: Is that his name? Butterball? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> goodness. But he looked just like a real life Patrick Star yeah. from SpongeBob if, he, if Patrick Starr was real
1: and life size. I like the design of the chatterer in the original one mm-hmm. where you have like a bunch of fish hooks just like pulling like, yeah. the skin back. Yep. It's like, ooh, that's fucked up. And then in the new one, was it just like his like face was like pulled back or like something like that? And I mean, his teeth were I'd be showing? able to tell if they like turned some lights on. Yeah,
3: true.
1: <laughs> true. It's like, this is the best part of the movie. Why are you like putting it in shadow and like blurring it out and everything? More yeah. creepy.
3: Oh my God. Yeah, but yeah, the Cenobites looked fucking badass in this one. Yeah. And I, was cool,
2: with, I was cool with that. And then with Pinhead, I didn't know she was trans. Yeah, I think that adds to the What's her androgyny her? of it. Because uh, I'm gonna look her Jamie, up Jamie. Right I did not know Jamie Clayton.
3: I Wonder if I can just like search. And pinhead. I'm
2: gonna be upfront with you, uh, Pete. You probably know this, but like when I was watching Euphoria for the mm-hmm. first time,
3: I didn't know uh, Jules was trans. So a few, Ooh. a few of my friends, I just thought were she was a, a few of my friends are the same way, and one of them in particular, I'm not going to say his name, but <laughs> biological, class, um, I should say. He was like, "Dude, Jules is pretty hot, man." I'm like, "I understand where you're coming from, but did you not see that bulge? <laughs> I didn't see like, the bulge. You didn't see the bulge? Oh, yeah. Some girls have bulges and down like, there. And like his eyes, Lady Gaga his had eyes a bulge. His eyes like popped a out bit of his... of a a <laughs>
1: All
3: right, the, the whole Lady Gaga thing was something that she orchestrated. Okay, <laughs> like, that's hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah, she put a sock in her panties. Yeah. Maybe no. I'm a
2: hermaphrodite. Who knows? Oh <laughs> goodness!
3: Remember when people thought like Sierra was a hermaphrodite and like, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie really? Lee Curtis, that, that was Sigourney a Bonnie Weaver. That was an urban legend for a while. Yeah.
2: So many urban legends. All the masculine women of the eighties. Should people we are like they they have
3: dicks? Should we do because it is Halloween? What should we do? A roundtable of the urban legend movies. Oh, urban legend movies. Have you seen those? What's that from the nineties? What's that? The movie is called Urban Legend.
1: It's cheap and it's schlocky, but it's very entertaining. It sounds
3: familiar. There's think, a bunch of kills. I think Freddy like, Prince Jr. is in one of them, like the original. <laughs> like we're talking like pure '90s oh, yeah. horror Man. movies, like things that you actually went to the I, theater and I made
1: out in. I don't remember. It's pure schlock, but it's just like it's kind of like Final Destination, but all the situations are based on urban legends. Really? Yeah.
3: Oh shit! Yeah, Jamie Clayton. I did not know that was her. In I didn't either. I oh my gosh! So I looked her up. She's a badass. She is. What what else is she in? She's in Sense8. You ever see that show on Netflix? Mm -hmm. All right, so she plays a well. Okay, she plays trans because she's trans, but she is a badass in this show called Sense8. It got canceled on Netflix. I think there were like three seasons or four seasons of it. Mm -hmm. It'll rock your socks. It is so cool. Okay, yeah. When
2: it came out, this guy was going crazy. (laughs) he was like, "I'm watching this show. It's called Sense8." I'm like, "Have you heard of the OA?" (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah
3: same I love the OA but uh um, same thing with like the Saw movies I was like dude gotta go see Saw 5 man <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone's like what the fuck's wrong with you
1: yeah so it's like great that they have more representation we should continue to do that yeah I just wish that they like did something new uh, with to, the story yeah to advance it more in something different than what we already have
2: we haven't seen the other ones but I really like the ending of this where it just leaves you with something.
1: Yeah, it that leaves, was
2: good. It leaves you with something. It's like she lost her brother. She had the ability to bring him back. Yeah. She chose not to. She's like, no. Well,
3: she didn't,
1: it. though. It's not going to be the same. She
3: didn't. It wasn't a true bring back.
1: Resurrection. Because it's probably going to be some monkey's paw. Yeah. Right.
3: It was going to be some like,
1: weird, fucked up shit. And because she chose not to do they that.
3: tempted her with it. And they're like, you can have this. But she already knew it was not going to be one to one. That's what it was. And she's like, fuck it. I'm just going to stay boring. You know? <laughs> the better off dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes dead is better. That's right. And she chose that. And I was like, well, oh, that's so powerful. Poor Brandon and Flynn. <laughs> and he did not deserve that death. Same way he did not deserve to die in 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. That was fucked. Like, have you guys seen that show? No. Spoilers. Dude dies from no. AIDS in that show. Oh. I'm, I'm just like, but like the worst AIDS. possible way. Oh no!
2: You mean AIDS?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like he, it's like the worst possible way I've seen a character die in something. How do you die? Spilled. He just gets really fucking sick and dies. Yeah, it's AIDS. A cruel, yeah. agonizing, slow but death. But it's an agonizing death. That's yeah. AIDS, and it is just like heart wrenching. I mean, this is, the series, <laughs> the series in itself is heart wrenching in yeah. its own right. But then, so many people in. Like, the community of actors and everything in terms of, like, cinema and TV, yeah. a bunch of people, like, were pissed off as to how this character was killed in the series finale. And I'm just like, I'm right there with you guys. From AIDS. Dude did not it. deserve this at all.
1: Is, it, is that the series about the girl who kills herself and then, like... Has tapes and blaming certain yeah, people. And yeah, and, like, haunts people doesn't haunt people. The gro- oh.
3: No, she has a series of tapes, and there's 13 tapes, and she's saying why notes. these 13 people drove her to kill herself. Okay. That's fucked up. It's heart-wrenching, man. How are there multiple seasons? The ba- the story, man. 13 more reasons She has, why. She has more tapes. Right. <laughs> are there Just, new girls? Hey, it's high school drama. New dudes? A lot of shit. Dude, I recommend this show. Okay. I mean, it's it's like a one and done. Because there there's some shit that goes on in that show that Is it
2: better than you Oh, I'm not gonna ask you.
3: Dude, it, it's heavy, man. You like, can't beat Euphoria. Euphoria sucks. That, no, no, it does not. <laughs> All right. I like Euphoria. I hate Rue. I feel like Why do you hate Rue? I feel like, oh man. If Rue we, is
2: God. I I cried over her character multiple times,
3: especially in season one. Never once did I ever. You never cried during about about Rue. No, I actually hope that she OD'd that's on the third episode. <laughs> Holy fuck. Like bro, I'm like, give me a new character. This person sucks. <laughs> as a human, this person sucks. Bro. <laughs> you know, you know that she sucks as a human. Bro, man. Come on, man. You gotta watch the
2: show, man. 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 No, it's so good. Man. Aaron, I know you didn't see Euphoria.
3: I like Euphoria. No, you gotta watch Everything Euphoria. about Euphoria. I know you're not gonna love, watch it because I told except you. To for watch uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you can take Rue out of the show, it's great. Like <laughs> Who would you have instead of Rue? Um, Ashtray. Riley. Those are supporting characters. We need an Rue, Ashtray show. He's dead. I know. R.I.P. <laughs> Probably one of the best characters in that show. Okay. Back
2: to Hellraiser. Yep. So I really like the ending because she chose not to bring back her brother. And it's like, oh, Pinhead was like, you will have the pain. And the regrets. And you'll carry that for the rest of your life. And then they disappear. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I'm like. That was great. That Which means yeah. she'll probably go, you know, abuse more pills later on. But, yeah. Because she's really. But she
2: has to carry that suffering. Because, like, the Cenobites and Pinhead understand suffering. And it's like, you chose this? Yep. Okay. We're cool with that. Yep. And ultimately, that's what life is all about. How you carry suffering. All these people tried to get out of it with like the puzzle box and summoning the Leviathan. And they found a new form of suffering. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you were meant to suffer in this life. And they go on to the next life. Yep. But they and that's why. The
3: shortcut out. And that's why the first formulation of the box is called life. Mm-hmm. She chose life. Element configuration. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, all right, this elevates the movie. You want to dissect the final scene? Of the dude, um, what's his name? Voight? Uh, yeah, Voight? Voight. getting dissected. No, basically becoming like a Christ figure.
1: Yeah, he becomes a Cenobite. Yeah,
3: because
2: yeah, that but symbol
3: in, was on Pinhead's uh collar. Trichia? Something yeah. That was kind of cool. Like they had I those like, like oh. little coins, you know, on their throat. Yeah. 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 That he was became dope. one of those. So he became a cenobite? He became I'm a cenobite, sure. yeah. Okay. But in the way that he was exited out. Didn't that not look like Jesus on the cross? Uh, yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 That's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's a pretty obvious Christ imagery. <laughs> it's a classic man of steel reference. Yes. It's the, uh, you know, the, what was that? The crucifixion of Joan of Arc. Uh, the passion of Joan of Arc. Passion of Joan of Arc. Of Joan of Arc. It's pa- everywhere, man. Passion <laughs> of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. Volume two. That is the, probably the most Christ imagery you'll have. Is that a throwback a to the silent hill episode we did? <laughs> Pretty, no. I'm pretty sure I brought up Joan of Arc. You did, but it's also an alien of all franchises too.
1: Yeah, as she's going into the lava. Yeah, Alien Three. Yes.
3: What are you talking about?
1: Alien Three. She does like a um, like a backflip dive into a pool of lava. Oh, and she's yeah. got got like her head buzzed, and she's like in the Jesus. That's my configuration. favorite
3: version of her. <laughs> really? really, the buzzed head. Yep. I I like Alien Three. It's not. I like the entire franchise. It's not a great movie, but I like it. I'm cool with them all. Like aliens. So going, going. Badass, so this, this has me thinking of something people. else. With, um, his name is Dick Voight or Richard Voight. Richard Voight. His mansion has this cage around it, and it configures in all these different combinations. Yeah. You were talking about something else earlier about all of that. Uh-huh. I immediately started thinking of Alien vs. Predator, and how the pyramid in that movie is always changing, mm. and it's like a maze within itself. Yeah. It's not related. It's nothing close to that. But it just was in my head. Yeah, it's a motif that's weirdly recurring in
2: movies. Trapping monsters and having either people trapped in there with them. The minotaur. Yes. In the labyrinth. Yes, exactly. It's like this retelling of that story over and over and over. It's a ghosts. classic. Yeah. Cabin in ghosts. the Woods.
3: I like Cabin in the Woods. I'm a fan. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Is there anything else we missed with these two movies? mm
1: I laughed when Riley was, like, running with the with the box that she's going to, like, stab one of the Cenobites with. Yeah. And she just, like, biffs it into a column and drops it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the stupidest thing Where's ever. Where's the box? I can't find the box. <laughs> a lot of yelling. Good acting. There are a couple other times. Well, they're yelling They're teenagers, they're <laughs> they're teenagers yeah. right? So. A couple okay. other times I laughed out loud, but that's the one that stuck out to me.
2: Let's get off the fence. Which movie is better, Hellraiser 1987 or
1: Hellraiser? 2022.
3: I'm biased. I'm saying 2022.
1: Okay, Aaron. Glad to see we've changed our minds. Because I'm sticking to my guns with number one.
3: <laughs> For the story, number one. Oh, fuck. For the actual cinematography, the current one.
2: Ah, uh, so hard. I'm torn. I am torn by <laughs> fish hooks between the two <laughs> movies. Which one to choose? <laughs> uh, also,
3: can we talk about how like chains like the with second one. hooks literally come out <laughs> of anywhere? Oh yeah. Like. Come on now, (laughs) like (laughs) they're demons. It doesn't matter. They're not demons.
2: Okay, they're spiritual entities. They could conjure things from another dimension, from beyond. (laughs) They're
3: just conjuring things from everywhere. Yeah,
2: yeah. Doesn't matter. And they just uh, go to where they need to go. And what I liked in the second movie is that the chains. If you're if you did not interact with the box, you don't see the chains because in the beginning, the cold open dude is getting chained.
3: Yep. And he yeah. didn't
2: see the chains. Yeah. And I'm like... He didn't see the chains? No, someone else... I think someone observing didn't see the chains. I think it was Void or something. And I was like,
3: fuck But how me. do we know that he didn't see the chains? Maybe
2: it was just the way I was watching the movie. I didn't see, like... Because he was being dragged, but it seemed like he was being dragged by nothing. Or
3: well, the, in his point of view, or, it was a chain. Or the screen was too dark and you couldn't <laughs> see the actual <laughs> chain.
1: I, Maybe so the forgot, darkness made I thought, it better. so. Maybe the VFX team, like, well, forgot to turn that layer on. Well, here, <laughs> here's
3: the thing. So... So Voight, when he is sacrificing that last sacrifice, that, that young kid, yeah. Um, later in the movie, here's the thing. I know that he can see the chains because at the very end, he has the whole house cage configured so that they can't attack him. And he's like, your chains can't touch me. Oh. So... He's able to see them. Myth
2: busted. Uh, so I thought it was better than it actually was. Yeah. Yep. Maybe I like the first movie better.
3: Now. <laughs> that's what happens when it's straight to Hulu. So
2: yeah. it was a Hulu movie. It, it was Hulu presents a Hulu movie. Hey, you know what? Yeah. Right in the beginning, I was like, oh. "This is weird." But here's the thing. Here's
3: the thing. Hulu is doing a pretty solid job. Prey. Prey was good. Oh yeah, that was a Hulu film. Hellraiser. I'm cool with. Like if it was just What's Hellraiser next. Oh man, that's what I'm curious about. Like, what do they have the rights to? Trick or treat. Two. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that first one's great.
2: Maybe Jordan Peele's next movie is going to be a Hulu movie.
3: Jeepers Creepers. So there is a new Jeepers, new Jeepers Creepers Jeepers. Reborn that came out this year. Oh, Are you my serious? God. Mm-hmm. You're right. I, I was almost, joking. <laughs> I almost watched it last night to not. You didn't want oh. the Jeep and Creepin'? Well, I watched Halloween Ends. And then I watched something else last night. Halloween Ends. Oh, Moonfall. For real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep.
2: Moonshot. Moonfall. Moonfall.
1: There's a third moon movie that came out this year. There's Don't Look Up. There's Moonfall, there's Moonshot, and there's something else. Moon. Maybe it's just called Moon. IMDb, help me out here so I don't sound like a
2: buffoon. Okay, well, Aaron's looking that up. Okay. A moon buffoon. <laughs> mm. Okay, so if you were to recommend Hellraiser, which one would you recommend?
3: And why? Well, it depends. If I am recommending it to a horror genre fan, yeah. or just like your normal private citizen who just wants to see a scary movie, I would say check out the new one because it has that modern day cinema look feel to it, and then you get some Hellraiser, you know, stuff in there. Yeah. Um. But to someone who is a horror genre fan, like the three of us, yeah. I believe, are. I would say go for, go, go for the first one. You get the whole foundation of the storyline and who these entities are and everything else. Right. Even though I believe the acting sucks, <laughs> I believe everything about it sucks. Oh, my God. Check out the first one just so you have the foundation. Uh-huh. But then watch the newer one because it's a much better stylized horror movie. Okay. How
2: about you, Aaron?
3: But that's my own personal bias.
2: What was the third moon movie?
1: I don't think I'm going to find it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm coming at it from a different angle where I like watching movies where I have to like figure things out, put them together. I prefer show don't tell. And I don't particularly have a taste for this kind of like new, um, teen horror genre. Um, so for those reasons, I'm going to favor the first one over the second one. But if you're the kind of person who just wants to put a scary movie on and, don't really care much for the Hellraiser franchise or whatever and you just want something that's maybe like different than what you're used to with horror um yeah give the new movie a shot totally
3: all right yeah I will say if they made this movie without a teenage or a like younger adult cast I think it could have been much better yeah like something that's like all these adults fucking like getting you know, lost in this mystery of this box. And who's the main demo that they're going after by putting it on Hulu streaming only.
2: I mean, um, everyone watches streaming. high school
3: kids that want to be like Rue and Euphoria.
2: I think they're targeting Gen Z. It's like, let's yeah. introduce Gen Z to Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. When are we going to get a horror movie debuting on TikTok?
3: I mean, TikTok is our, already it. a horror you movie. Know,
2: <laughs> they're going to do it. They had that platform that fucking failed. <laughs> I forget what, Quibi. Where they poured a billion dollars into Quibi and it just failed dead on a rifle. Yeah. They had move like the thing with Quibi was everything was nine by sixteen. Yeah. And weren't they like ten minutes or less? Probably. Something like that. And so it's like, you're not far off, but I don't think they're gonna put a movie on TikTok. That'd be weird.
1: What a TikTok horror film even be like? Shits. Because you have the UI over the movie, this ghost is making me do a dance remix.
3: <laughs> I mean, I personally feel like TikTok is a horror movie.
1: Do the remix or you die. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what if the next Hulu horror movie is TikTok? Saw ten. I, I wouldn't doubt it. It wouldn't be. It's not going to go to Hulu. probably. Well, as I'm googling it right now. Okay,
1: my four U page is haunted. <laughs> My favorites are different. <laughs> what was that Facebook? Oh, hold up. Horror it's, movie? Called, it's called Unfriended.
3: <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm mentioning that before TikTok. Unfriended, there's a second one. It's called like Dark Web or something yeah. like that. Oh, no. I, I remember. I got halfway through that and I was like, this is actually kind of fucking dark, man. You watch that? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. So I I have I have a uh, You're that guy. I have access to my buddy's Plex account. So there's like everything on there. Yeah. Um we should, we should totally do like Episode around the VHS franchise. Have you seen that? Oh. oh, I think I saw the first one. There's like, but I do like that
2: style of filmmaking,
3: dude. It, oh, yeah, that's good. You want some some scary, remember? Weird quarantine, shit? do you remember? Remember, quarantine, do you remember? Do you, all right, oh. there's there's quarantine, and there's a movie that quarantine's based off of called Record. I saw record, so record that's called Wreck. Well, yeah, Wreck. Okay, yeah, so Wreck and Quarantine are the same exact movie, really? Yeah, They're the same exact movie. Like, okay. they're literally the same exact movie. Quarantine was Just good. Just two different names, um, yeah. yeah quarantine. And then you have Rec, Rec One, Rec Two. Yeah. Quarantine One, Quarantine Two. Is I think Rec is actually a Spanish movie. Yeah, like, it's it's from say, Spain, is it Mexico. I think it's from Spain.
2: Anyways, yeah, I remember. Oh, those were the days, man. The mid two thousands. Yep. Yep. Anyways, okay. Final question, and then we can wrap this up. Who was a better
3: pinhead? It's it's apples and oranges. I will say I like the. Yeah. I will say I like the modern day pinhead because it's more of a horror chic, you know, character. Yeah, Whereas good. the pinhead from the first one, is just a British dude with pins <laughs> in his head, and I'm just like, I'm like, okay, the voice. On, like I've seen these guys before in the club. But here's but here's thing here's thing. Like, yeah, if I'm out real life and the pinhead from 2022 approaches me, I'm fucking frightened. If the one from 1987 approaches me, uh-huh. like, I'm. No, you see that in, like, Lower Wacker. Like, the lower
1: <laughs> Wacker, it's not that scary. Yeah. Uh,
3: I've known guys and that look like. And it's because, the original it's because of the voice. Like, his voice. What'd you want? A distortion? Yeah, hers was distorted. His was. His was too.
1: His
2: was, like. But it was just. No. Nah, it, because it, it sounded too masculine, too yeah. much like a
3: normal guy. Yeah. Just, I am just like that. Yep. But he has pins in his head. <laughs> yeah. But did you also notice that like a bunch of the Cenobites in this new one had pins in them as well? Yeah. 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 I thought that was kind of cool. I liked their design and I
2: liked that they, they looked alien. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They looked otherworldly rather than a bunch of BDSM people. Filet <laughs> BDSM. Yeah. Like, you know what I was thinking? Cause I watched Rick and Morty and there's a Rick and Morty episode with Hellraiser-esque people yeah. that didn't feed on, like, pleasure or pain, but cringe. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, like, uh, I forget his name, uh, the father figure, he was, like, telling these, like, stories and dad jokes and they're, like, laughing at him. They're, like, oh, fun! they turn, like, black. Like, oh this black glow? <laughs> they're, like, they love me. And, like, Rick Sanchez was, like, they, he doesn't understand. Jerry doesn't understand that they uh, are feeding on cringe. <laughs> and he's, like, a buffet. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I would say, I like the new one. I like her design. I thought she was, she looked creepy as fuck. I feel like Pinhead needs to be like that. While Pinhead from the 80s was very masculine, while I prefer the more androgynous aesthetic with
1: Pinhead. Mm. Well, I only masturbated to one of them. (laughs) The original one? Um, (laughs) I'll let you decide. (laughs) So, who would you choose, man? Probably the newer one. Really?
2: Yeah. That's surprising I like,
1: from you. I like that and I like that androgynous look more. I think it's more fitting with uh, with the character. Um, at the same time, it, it is a bit apples and oranges because, like, it's just a different time, and um, we we have the benefit of hindsight and being able to compare, but. Um, there's a reason that you know that pinhead was on the poster for like every Hellraiser movie for years and years and years and years because it's because he's cool looking and yeah and probably one of the reasons why Hellraiser is like actually memorable as a franchise now is because of how iconic that design was right. so yep um the familiarity with it uh, is kind of like a handicap
2: so is she the upgrade instead of the replacement.
3: I mean, I was really hoping for, like, an upgraded Patrick Starr in this. I was waiting for that, because they (laughs) brought the chatter back, and I was really hoping for that Patrick Starr, like, thumb-looking, ball-sack-looking thing.
1: (laughs) I like like the um, the female Cenobite with, like, the throat torn open. mm -hmm. I like the original design of that better, and the way that she, like, whispered mm -hmm. instead of, like, regular speaking. I like the the original one better. But, um, yeah, it's hard to say, just because, like, that original pinhead is so iconic. Um, Right.
3: What was really funny in the first? I'm glad one, we get both. So the very end of the first one, when the daughter throws a box in the fire, you know, mm. and like that homeless dude transforms oh, yeah. into like this like <laughs> yeah, skeleton that's, dragon that's, eagle yes. thing. Awesome! And, and you're just like, do they just get like fucking bored with this? Like, <laughs> how do we end this movie? Like, how do we just <laughs> fuck it? Yeah, <laughs> fuck it! Like, what's fucking terrifying? Oh, it's a demon dragon that plus this awesome random dude. ass homeless guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually
2: a demon. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was awesome. It just leaves you with something. It's like, maybe next time I see a homeless guy, might be a demon. Might be a skeleton dragon. All right, shall we close this out? Let's do it. All right. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed it. So we've been talking about Hellraiser, the Hellraiser. Check them both out where they are available. And before we go, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. It was so great to have you. Where can people find you?
1: Yeah, if you want to see and hear me be flayed alive, you can head, o- head on over to uh, WSTR. That's my Star Wars podcast <laughs> um, at WSTR Media. And wherever fine podcasts are sold, we uh, just got done talking to this cosplayer who built like a fully functional and wearable Rancor costume. What? Yeah, which is that super, sounds intense. Super I want to see that. Um, and with Andor going on, uh, we're, we're not doing like the constant drip of Andor for like three months, like most podcasts are doing. Yeah, we are talking about them in four episode chunks. So two weeks ago, we talked about Andor episodes one through four, and then pretty soon we're going to be talking about four, three. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I still need to watch that. I saw the first
2: episode and I was like, Oh, this is like blade runner. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. So awesome. It is so good. It's everything I've wanted in a star Wars show. Mm, it looks so. my favorite part in the first episode was like the, the scene where the guy is talking to his boss and it's so fucking yeah. boring, but uh, like Brian that, Cox. Yeah. I just loved it. I was <laughs> like, no, this is awesome. This is cinema.
1: So yeah. Good. It feels like a movie. Yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised to see Brian Cox in that, um, because he plays a character that's very similar to a character he plays in one of the, the, like, Sharp series of movies. Okay. Old British, like, Napoleonic Wars nonsense, but yeah, he's a treat. He's also in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Gotta
2: watch that, Aaron. And the Bourne series. Yes. All right. Pete, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. We've been spooking it up, and I absolutely love it. You're off the grid still.
3: I'm off the grid.
2: You're off, I'm the, off grid. the grid. Wow. Well, you're going to come back. Wow. We're going to do all the Saw movies. Wow. And I'm going to tease it. I'm going to tease it right now. We're oh, going to do National Treasure.
3: Yes, sir. <laughs> We're going to do a National Treasure Roundtable. Yes. Yes, sir, baby.
2: Yes, for next month. Okay. So without further ado, if you want to connect with the show, at Syndicate on Instagram and Letterboxd. And if you want to connect with myself, Aaron, other podcasters, other listeners, go to syndicate.com forward slash discord, join the discord server we'll be talking about this film and others, until next time, stop that film spend more time watching, goodbye